I have felt for several weeks since we had been planning and looking toward this day that this was going to be a, a very profound moment in some of your lives. As you know, um, we really are not trying to around here on Sundays or whenever we have a time when we open the scripture together as the Alamo City family. We're not, we're not trying to make us so heavenly minded as the old saying goes, that we're no earthly good, that uh, you know we can quote scriptures and we can sing songs, but but we can't be a friend to people at work. We can't relate to our culture. One of the worst things that can happen to a church, to the church in any generation, is for the church to become irrelevant. That we're just. Um, cloistered among ourselves and we just talk to ourselves and dance with ourselves and speak our Christian language, our religious language, and uh, we're not engaged. That has never been the goal. In fact, um, one of the reasons we've spent so much time on the life of Jesus is to realize that we have amazing permission as followers of Jesus to engage people, engage our culture, engage folks in where we work. Um, in an attempt to show the goodness and kindness of the Lord. It is the goodness and kindness of the Lord that leads a man to repentance, Paul would say. So um, that, that's what we're all about. And, I, and I'm, I know I'm accused in some ways by some preachers by not being, you know, maybe preachy enough. Um, I just try to, try to use other words than just words that we would only be familiar with in a church setting. Today is, is just one of those days that, that I believe the Lord has in mind for us to uh, experience together. And um, it's, it's not often that, that I will feel distinctly impressed to, to uh, share the, the preaching time, the, the pulpit time, on a, especially at this hour on Sunday morning with with another brother or, or sister. Occasionally that will happen with Shirley when she just feels like there's something that she needs to say and, and uh, would like to say. And I'm, I'm, she's my favorite preacher, so I look forward to hearing her whenever she is. My wife look, has a sense in her heart of something to say. But a few weeks ago, we invited uh, Ricky Dixon, who's a vice president with uh, Bluebell Ice Cream, to come and talk to us about the uh, you know, the return of, of Bluebell and, and how God was doing some things, working in the lives of people within that organization to, to help um, that with that return, the strength and, and the faith and the vision, and God began to put things together. And I mean, you can walk in any HEB and just find a whole section of ice cream, just nothing but Bluebell. I, I count that a major victory, you know, I just, just love it, love seeing that. But today, um, there's, there's just been a real specific sense for sometimes several months now, and J.J. and I have been talking about this and praying about it for a good while, that, that J.J. Jorge, Geronimo, I love that name, Geronimo, and he's known to us as, by J.J. Jorge and Annie, who is right here, and uh, his, his bride and wife, and I think we've got family right there, you know. 
Bless you all. Glad to have you. Been praying about um, what JJ might need to say or be able to say from his own life and background and testimony um, in the area of, of hope and the business world, hope and the world of business. I want to read you, um, if you would, uh, let, me, let me read us a, just a, about three verses out of Ephesians chapter 2, and then I want to turn it over to J.J. to speak what the Lord's put in his heart. Now, in your bulletin, um, there is a printed resume um, that I requested our, our staff print, fold up, make as a bulletin insert for your bulletin this morning. J.J. didn't request this. I, I did. I, I wanted you to be able to see and read through the specific, tangible ways in which the Lord has led him and opened doors for him during the 26 years that he's been at HEB. You're not going to find a verse of Scripture or a book in the Bible by each one of those changes or transitions, but make no mistake about it, the, the Lord was involved in all of those practical steps within the HEB organization. Not to say that HEB is, is a total Christian organization, but it is to say that God has his people wherever he wants his people to be, and HEB is one of those organizations where he will have his, his people placed at strategic points in time. Here's the verse, or the three verses. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God to be saved, to be rescued, to be set free, to be changed is the gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. And then this line, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Jesus Christ saved you for the purpose of good works, for you being able in his name and by his strength and with his favor upon your life, be able to do things that would be considered useful, utilitarian, if you will, beautiful, excellent, profitable, useful, good works, prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. As you listen to JJ for these next few minutes, you're going to be listening to some ways in which way ahead of JJ's having any ability to know or to influence, way beyond any of that, how God was setting up by the acts of his favor, doors of opportunity that began at one part in the food chain and have taken him all the way to another, another distant, from that point of view, point in the food chain. Now, Lord, I just ask you to, to settle us down and to open our hearts, open our minds, and let us hear from you today through the testimony of one of your own the things that we need to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Welcome one of your own, one of Alamo City family's own, J.J. Jorge, to come and speak to us this morning. Hey, Bless you. Bless you. 
Well, it's good to be here. Uh, as I prayed over the weekend and getting ready for today, I, I thought, wow, this is going to be easy because I, I get to really brag on God, you know? So it's pretty easy to just get up here and brag on God. And my prayer ultimately is that uh, what you hear from me today, it, it, it would be less of me and more of him. Because I can truly tell you that I wouldn't be standing here today if it wasn't for God in my life and what he's done in my life. So, Pastor, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity that you've given me to come up here and share a little bit about my story. And I just felt like as I prepared for today, in order for you to probably appreciate where God has placed me today, you almost have to have a glimpse of where I came from. So if you would indulge me a little bit, I'm, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of background before I get into my HB journey. But as God put this message in my heart, it was really a message of hope, perseverance, and victory. Hope in that everything I grew up with and a lot of the bad decisions that I made as a young man, I had hope that when I came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that I would start making decisions to get me to a better place. That was the hope that I had. Perseverance in that no matter how tough things got for me, both personally and professionally, I struggled early on in my career, and no matter how tough things got for me, I persevered. I worked, and I worked, and I worked to get to a better place. And then I've got a story of victory, not in that I've arrived or that God has done with me, because trust me, he's still, he's still shaping me, but victory in the mercy, the grace, and the favor that God's put on in my life. Truly, he's been amazing. So my prayer is that you hear less and less of me today, and as I go through my journey, I really want you to focus on God and what, if God can do what he's done in my life, he could do that in your life, no matter where your circumstance is, no matter where you are today, if God can take a kid like me from the troubled streets of Los Angeles to where he has me today while standing here before you, it's, it's, a, it's nothing short of a miracle. See, I was born in Cuba. I came to the United States with my parents when I was four years old. My parents, as I got older, would, would tell me the story how I almost didn't make it. And I was a young man when my parents sat me down and said, you know, they had applied for their visas to come to the United States and escape communism and the rise of Castro in the late 50s and early 60s. And my parents got their visa they got their credentials, they were ready to come to the U.S., and my, parent, my mom gets pregnant with me. And later on, my parents would tell me how they had to sit there and contemplate, do we abort this child for the greater good of the family? Does the need of the one outweigh the need of the many? Or do we have them forego our visas, stay in Cuba, and wait? Well, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here, thank God. So they made a great decision. Uh, but we went right back into the lottery system. And it took my parents another four years before our number came up. And we finally got our visas and we got our credentials and we flew from Cuba to the United States. I grew up in Los Angeles. My parents were really hardworking people. I would learn later on in life that my work ethics really came from them. They came asking for nothing. 
they came wanting nothing but an opportunity. And at the age of 13 and 14 in the streets of Los Angeles, really not too far from East LA, I started getting into trouble. I started hanging out with gangs, hanging out with bad people, making bad decisions. And at one point in my life as an early teenager, doing my own thing, I made more money sometimes in a week than my dad made in a month. And I remember a vivid uh, interaction I had with my dad one time where he was struggling to make ends meet, and I knew he couldn't pay the bills, and I went and gave him some money. And with the pride in his heart and tears running down his face, my dad would tell me, this is not why I fought so hard to bring you to this country. We're citizens of this country. We're guests of this country. And I brought you hard, and I fought hard to get you here so that you would be a good producing citizen of this country, not the mess that you're doing right now. And my dad, I never appreciated that message until I got a lot older, and I, I realized how impactful that was for me. In the early 80s, I moved to San Antonio uh, to be with my sister who was working for the airlines here. And lo and behold, I, I end up falling in love with this little lady over here and uh, 31, 30 years now being together. Um, Annie, my wife, thank you. She deserves it. <laughs> Annie, my wife, was really the first one that sat me down and really uh, shared the load with me. And obviously, I had a, uh, an ulterior motive, so I engaged, right? But I got to tell you, she, she shared the Lord with me and walked me uh, through the steps of salvation, and I literally thought she was crazy. And then I go to California with her to meet her family. She was planning on a trip, and it was the baby dedication of now my niece of 31 years old, so... I've been a Christian now for 31 years. I flew to California never looking for the Lord. I flew to California never asking for the Lord. And I went to Faith Community Church in West Covina, California. I remember it like it was yesterday, a church of about 1,000 people. And we walked in, and I told Annie, honey, this is your thing. This is your family. You're going to sit up in the front, and I'm going to sit way back in the back of the church. And I sat there, and they did their family thing, and the pastor got up and did their baby dedication just like it does in most churches. But then the pastor gets up, and he starts to preach. And he tells the visitors, if you're visiting here today, thank you for being here, but this message is not for you. I'm here to preach today to my congregation and the members of my church. And the entire theme of his message was on tithe, given to the church. And my wife, who had been a Christian now for a few years prior to me coming to the, to the Lord, uh, she was so disappointed. She was so angry that the one time she got me in the four walls of a church, they're going to talk about money. But let me tell you guys, when it's your time, when God's got your number, he's got your number. And I sat in the back of the pew as this pastor began to preach about your, your one love and your commitment to the Lord. And, and what I saw in the audience was hope. What I saw in the audience was faith. 
And as I sat there the first time ever really in a church, and I began to cry and I began to sob, not even knowing what was going on. But I realized that, wow, all these people have a hope and a faith about something much bigger than them. And I realized as a young man, I had made a mess of my life. And I'm sitting there crying, thinking, wow, I don't have that. I want that. So I got up and I walked down, totally shocking Annie and her entire family. And I walked through the sinner's prayer. And 31 years ago, I accepted Christ. So we get on the airplane, we're flying back to San Antonio, and we start to contemplate our relationship and, and what just happened. And I was so, I had such high qualifications about what I wanted to do next that I gave my wife two requirements. I said, honey, buy me a Bible that I can read and understand and find me a preacher that doesn't put me to sleep. That's how spiritually I was. And we landed at Valley High Assembly of God, Albert Smart, Pentecostal Church, Hellfire and Brimstone, man, every weekend. This man can preach from Genesis to Revelation every Sunday. But what I learned in those early ages, about three, four years with that church, is that he laid a foundation for me in Christ that really built the road for where I was going. I would learn later on in life that that was really all discipleship. So I came to HEB. I get saved. I come back home. I started working actually for the pastor's son. He had a landscaping company here in town. And I got to HEB as a product of a layoff. There was a company out of Houston that bought this company that my pastor's son owned. And when the new leadership came into town, well, they laid us all off. I tell people kiddingly that I started HEB thinking this was going to be a six-month gig, and now I'm here 26 years later. That's <laughs> how God works. What's, what's awesome is I started my job at, at, with HEB really as a job, and ultimately God made it a career. See, I started as a sanitation worker right here, right next door to us, in the grocery distribution center right off of Ritterman Road. Literally Sanitation. I slowly then morphed into uh, an order selector. That's a young man's game. Picking up boxes, 10-hour shifts, four days a week. It was a young man's game. I had a 28-inch waist. I weighed about 135 pounds wet. Rock-hard stomach. Honey, don't get excited. Those days are over, man. <laughs> I got an office job now. Uh, but I knew, I knew that picking up boxes and working that hard wasn't going to be sustainable. In my early 20s, I could do that, but today, I couldn't do that job. With the workload and the school load and the responsibilities that I had, I realized I needed to get back into something that was going to be, uh, give me some more opportunities. I decided to enroll in a technical college. And I did that for about a year while I was still at the warehouse and realized, wow, I can't, I can't keep this load. You see, at the warehouse, I was working from 6 p.m. at night to 4 o'clock in the morning. Then I'd go to school from 8 in the morning to 12, Monday to Thursday, turn around and do that week after week after week. 
So then I said, Lord, I know this is where you have me, and I know this is what I want to do, and I'm going to school to better myself, but I need to move. I need to get out of here. So I actually applied for a transfer, and I got accepted to go to a new concept store that HB was building, the marketplace, years ago off of 410 in Bandera. And they were interviewing a lot of people, and I came in with the aggressiveness of a warehouse order selector, and I'm like, man, I, you know, I want to do good. I want to get in here. And the guy says, great, I'm going to make you a stock control manager. Didn't even know what that was. And so I started working overnight, basically running a, a crew in the grocery department, unloading trucks, stocking them on the shelves, running and managing the crew overnight. So when I graduated, um, and I try to get my 8 to 5 Monday through Friday gig so I can be home on the weekends, I realized that I had a lot of book knowledge and no real-world experience. And as I began knocking on doors I, and was getting offers, I realized, wow, these guys are offering me less than what HEB's already paying me. But with the desires of thinking I was going to get to a better place, I went part-time with HEB. And I decided to go with the startup company here in town. I worked as a bench technician for the startup company working on computer motherboards. A year later, that company went belly up. They closed their doors and they laid us all off. And there I come crawling right back to HEB saying, hey, guys, hello. Would you guys make me full time and give me another opportunity? And I had a great leader in the store at that time that knew me from when I was full-time and then I went part-time. And he said, man, JJ, yes, we're gonna, we'd love to have you back. And yes, we're going to make you full-time. But I want to sponsor you to get into the leadership management training program. Are you interested? Absolutely. So then they began to train me in every single department of what it takes to run a successful retail store. You see, there's the retail way and there's the HEB way. And trust me, there's a big difference. And so they trained me how to run a store. My ultimate goal was to become a salaried grocery manager, which I was ended up being able to accomplish. I was sponsored to join that training program. I became a store manager. In about five or six years, I worked several format stores, large ones, small ones, medium ones. My last store was on, uh, over there by SeaWorld, million dollar plus in revenues every week, running a grocery department that represented 50% of that volume. Things were looking up. In all the years I was in retail, I never had a weekend off. Holidays were tough because, well, in the world of retail, it's tough. And actually, back in those days, starting November 1st through January 1st, you went mandatory six-day work weeks. Now, life has gotten much better for our store operators over the years, but 20 years ago, you had to do what you had to do. And I remember closing stores at 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning, only had to be back at 6 in the morning. So even though I, I, I began to hate kind of where I was, even though God was blessing me and I was slowly growing my career, I began to hate where I was because I didn't have quality time with the family. And so there's a brother here today that probably doesn't even know this, but I came in my desperation and talked to him and said, man, he, he was also working for a fairly large company at the time in San Antonio. Is there any opportunity there? you think you can get me in? 
And God bless him and, and, and the foresight he had that God gave him, he encouraged me to just stick it out. That I had a lot of years invested in HEB, that HEB was a great company. There's a lot of potential there. JJ, man, just stick it out. Stick it out. And I did. I had several years of operational experience now, a couple of years of warehouse experience. I've got a degree in computers. And in 97, there was a program that came to our store. Now I'm going to tell you how I transitioned from the retail side to the corporate side. I had a great mentor at the time in store operations that was basically sponsoring me and leading me. And, and my goal at that time was to become a unit director, which at that time in the stores, that was your top level position. That's about a five, six year track from where I was. So I knew I was about six years out before I can probably achieve that goal. But I had a mentor that was walking me through that. And then the corporate headquarters selected our store to be a pilot program for computerized ordering. We would basically have a computer order the entire store, initially started with the grocery department, which is one of the biggest areas of the store, morph into other areas, and we would take the ordering out of the hands of a human. And we would have a computer basically control your supply chain. Huge revolution in the industry, and uh, we were the early adopters to that. Well, my UD, hated computers. To this day, the guy does everything on paper. And so he said, hey, JJ, you got a background? When that program is here, when those project leaders are here, I want you to represent the store. I want you to talk for the store. If there's meetings downtown, I want you to go to downtown. I'm like, yeah, okay, great. So for a year, we did that back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And about a year later, the program leader of that store, of that program, basically said, hey, we'd love for you to come to the corporate headquarters office and be a business process consultant. We don't want you for your IT knowledge. We need you for your business knowledge. We need you to tell the programmers how to write the code that best fits the end user. Okay. So I went to downtown. And what I found myself surrounded by was high talent, an aggressive corporate environment, and I was extremely overwhelmed. Here was a guy from the backwoods of Cuba to the mean streets of Los Angeles with a little bit of warehouse and some store experience, and I'm thrusted into this position that I'm going to tell you I wasn't ready for. I didn't have the talk, I didn't have the walk, and I just didn't feel like I belonged. But God had a purpose. You see, early in my career, I allowed the things that I could see, the good and the bad, I allowed those things to hinder my ability to make them better. I got overwhelmed being in an area that, you know, I don't have an Ivy League education. I don't come from these big schools in Texas or anywhere in the country. So I felt overwhelmed. I'm sitting here with guys that have masters and bachelors, and you know it, and they're computer science, and they're developing code, and they're doing this, and they're doing that. And I just felt like, Lord, why? Why me? <laughs> so there were many days, I can tell you, early on in my corporate career 
for about a year where I struggled just to walk in the doors. Literally, struggled. I sat in my car and I remember praying, Lord, this is the day that you've made. Let me be glad and rejoice in it. Give me today what I need. Forget about tomorrow. Forget about a month from now. Forget a year from now. I'm like, I need today (laughs) the strength and the wisdom I need to walk these halls. With high demands, aggressive schedules, project overruns, somehow I found myself from being an analyst to the course of a couple of years being the leader of that program And I found myself in front of the senior leadership team of HEB once a month, having to give a report out of how we were doing. The senior leadership team of HEB is HEB. They are the ones that run the company. (laughs) And there I was, little old me. I got to tell you, some days I would close my door right before that meeting, and I would put my head down, and I would say, Lord, why me? (laughs) Surely. Surely, in the midst of all these corporate halls, there's somebody more qualified than I to walk into that room. But God had my number. God placed me there for a reason. Almost 20 years now at the corporate headquarters, I've had many, many positions within IT. God's always found a way to give me leadership positions. And in many ways, God and HEB saw something in me that I never saw. (laughs) You see, I've got a slogan that I work by, and it's hard work will beat talent any day. Oh, man, I was surrounded by top talent. Hard work will beat talent any day. Now, there's a fine line between those two, but my perspective is, as I was surrounded by a lot of these Ivy League folks and they're working their eight to fives, you know what? I started work at eight and I left at 10 o'clock. My wife can testify that I put in some long hours because I thought, you know what? I'm going to outwork them. I'm going to outproduce them. I'm going to deliver results. Now, all that work with no production doesn't mean anything, right? At the end of the day, you still got to deliver. But I knew I had the capability to deliver. I just had to work harder than everybody else. And so I went into that thinking, you know what? I'm just going to outwork you, man. And that paid off. See, nothing good is going to come easy. Nothing good is going to come easy. And I realized that. And I realized that God had me there for a reason. God had me there for a purpose. And I had to let go and let God kind of do his thing and get myself out of the way. I'm blessed today to be part of an organization that puts as much emphasis and focus on their people as they do the bottom line. And I'm blessed to be part of an organization that in the right setting at the right time, has never hindered my Christian walk. I told Ricky Dixon a few weeks ago, when Bluebell was going through the mess that they were going through, I just happened to be in an executive meeting where the decision was made that HEB was not going to refill those shelves with Creamy Creations. 
And if you recall, if you shopped at HEB, for many months, those shelves were empty. Because the leadership of our company said, we will not display or try to take advantage of another great Texas company's misfortune. We're going to stand in the gap, and we're going to wait, because they'll be back. That's the kind of leadership, and that's the reason I stay with HEB. So in closing, I want to leave you guys with three themes or three points that you guys can kind of chew on and, and, and sit on as, as we get ready to close. And they're just themes that God put in my heart as I thought about this morning. Point number one is God may be at the brink of doing something amazing in your life. He may be at the cusp of doing something great, but you may be in your own way. And I say that because as I look back on my HEB journey, where I am today is truly an amazing place. But God was willing to give me that many, many years ago. I just got in my own way. I got in my own way. The fear, the anxiety, the lack of trust that I had in God doubted my abilities to be able to produce in this high-powered environment. And it wasn't until I just kind of let go and I said, God, you got me here for a reason. It reminds me of the story of Gideon in the Bible in the book of Judges. I love the guy. We named our dog after him. <laughs> See, I'm more like Gideon than King David. It was amazing how God took him with this army of 22,000 down to 10, down to 300 to defeat the Midianites. But Gideon doubted God. It was almost like, why me, Lord? I mean, literally at one point he says, why me? I'm the weakest. I'm the weakest of the clan. Why me? It was like JJ in the halls of HEB saying, Lord, why me? Surely there's somebody more qualified. But he tagged me. And it was amazing how Gideon doubted and put a few tests out for the Lord to ensure, Lord, is this really you? Am I really doing this? Am I really going to be the, the victor? And God had favor on him. And until he fully trusted God and got out of the way, God granted him, and he won that battle with the Midianites. So my prayer for you right now is that no matter what your situation is, no matter what your circumstance is, no matter where you are right now, assess where you are and let God do his thing. Point number two is God may be already blessing you, and you may already be walking through difficult times. You see, early in my career, I allowed the trouble that I can see in front of me to take over my ability to really see the future. It was almost like God was telling me, hey, trust, you, you trust me to get you here, but you're not trusting me to see you through it. And so I, I love to read out of James I don't know if I'm a glutton for punishment, but I love to read through James about trials and tribulations. And one of my favorite verses is in James chapter 1, verse 2. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask 
God who gives generously to all without fault. God, give me today what I need to get through this. Those chapters go on and on, but if you're standing in in the middle of difficulty, know that there's a reason God's got you there. You see, no matter how hard things got, one of the biggest focuses in my life is I never got mad at God. I've been saved for 31 years. I've never backslidden. I've not been perfect, and trust me, God is still working on me, but I've never turned my back on him. I've never gotten mad at him. And I've just accepted that, Lord, you've got me where you got me right now, and you've got me here for a reason. And I'm going to accept that. Just like my career, I told pastor that, you know what? I put my head down, I worked hard, and I made myself easy to manage. People have often asked me, JJ, what's kind of the key things of your success? And it's, you know what? I just work hard. I make sure that people like managing me. I don't give my leaders a hard time, and I produce. And at the end of the day, those things have made me successful. Make it easy for your leadership team to manage you. Leave the rest up to God. My third and last point is you may be standing in the gap. You may be waiting for something to happen in your life, and it just hasn't happened. And my message to you today is don't give up. It's not easy, but don't give up. Verse 12 of James chapter 1 will say, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised those who love him. So don't give up. Keep looking ahead. Don't get mad. Accept God's got you in a place for a certain reason and try to draw what that reason is. I had to work hard for where I'm at today. I never got mad, and I never give up. I accepted that God had me there for a purpose and a reason at that particular stage in my life. So for almost 20 years now, I've been in leadership at HEB. God has blessed me in a company where at the right time, in the right setting, I've been able to take my corporate hat off and put and be Jesus with skin on to an employee who's sharing with me their struggles outside of HEB. I love what a great friend of this church that now is passed and is with the Lord said one year when he was preaching here. He said, you know, do what you got to do for a living, but focus on your calling. Do what you got to do for a living to pay your bills and make ends meet. But know your calling. Know who you are and whose you are in whatever environment you work in today. I want to close with Hebrews chapter 12. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Consider him 
who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So guys, I'm nothing short of a miracle. When you walk out of this church today, my prayer is that you didn't hear JJ today. My prayer is that you heard God. That statistics will tell you I shouldn't be where I'm at today. Statistics will tell you that I should either be in prison or, or, or dead based on how I grew up. But it was God coming into my life that ultimately shaped who I am today. So my professional journey and my personal journey continues on. Thank you guys for your time.